Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Tuesday, July 12. I'm Desiree Frazier, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, COVID numbers are once again creeping up. Then, Mississippi's lone abortion clinic is closed. What's next for one woman who spent years protesting outside of it? This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Stop me if you've heard this before. COVID cases are on the rise in Mississippi, and medical leaders are paying close attention. Christian Spear is clinical director at Gulfport Memorial Hospital. She speaks with MPB's Kobe Vance. Our hospitalizations always follow our increase in cases in the community. And so we've had um, probably for about two to three weeks an increase in our positive cases in the community. So our numbers in the hospital are going up. Um, thankfully, you know, we're near where they were with Delta. So, yeah, definitely seeing um, an uptick, but overall not as bad as Alpha and Delta were. I wanted to also talk about um, the community vaccination event y'all are working on uh, this week. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, what y'all are doing on Wednesday and who y'all are, who are y'all trying to reach? So we do these community, um, and a lot of times it's leaders in the community reach out and ask. Um, in the beginning, we were going to areas where maybe people couldn't come out and get vaccinated. Um, and when our community reaches out and has a need, we go there and, and give the vaccine. So on um, July 13th, we're going to be given, and it's to, it's to 12 and up, um, the Pfizer-only vaccination, and it's at the Isaiah Fredericks Community Center. Everybody is welcome to come out to that event. So it's at the Isaiah Fredericks Community Center, and the address is 3312 Martin Luther King Boulevard. That's in Gulfport, and it's 9 a.m. to 4 p.m., and it's available to all members of the community ages 12 and up. How successful have these community vaccination events been in the past? They have been largely successful. Um, We usually have some push from um, our marketing department and the community leaders to just get the word out there. Sometimes people, you know, it just takes that little push to get them to come in or, you know, just bringing it back to attention, everybody's attention. Um, we do notice when COVID kind of dies down again, our vaccine rates die down. So we're still encouraging everybody to get vaccinated, although, you know, the in, 
you can see the people in the hospital, most of them have been vaccinated. But as you can see, not a lot of these people are, they're not on the ventilator. So we're, we're not dealing with what we were dealing with in the past when the large majority of people weren't vaccinated. The vaccine rates have gone up. The sick, sicker patients um, on ventilators in the hospital have gone down. And the variant seems to be um, not as virulent as the other ones were. I wanted to get your thoughts on what that feels like as if uh, somebody who works in the medical field to see the vaccines um, being uptaken by Mississippians and having that reflected in the people that are not having to go on ventilators. Yeah, Mississippi's we've always been um, a state that's been really high on our vaccine rates just in general. Um, so very proud of of people going out to get the vaccinations because, of course, there's been a lot of, you know, back just information out there since COVID came out. But, um, you know, the side effects of the vaccine, what is it going to do? You know, it hasn't been studied. All of that people hear and, and, and they respond to it. Um, so, but over time, you've seen not just the initial vaccine, but also, you know, the boosters and people are ready. They're, they're following the CDC, FDA recommendations and going out and getting it. So it is good, you know, as a medical professional to see that people are listening to the science. And, you know, there's still people that aren't, um, and they'll always, it'll always be that way, but it is very um, reassuring, you know, as predicted as the uh, vaccine rates went up, the virus, the virulence of the strains might become less and less. And I don't think we're ever going to get rid of COVID completely. We won't. But hopefully as we go on, people continue to follow the recommendations, read the science and just kind of follow what we've been told. And hopefully this will you know, eventually be like a, like a flu or a cold, you know, where people typically do well with it. Your elderly, frail, immunosuppressed people obviously aren't going to do as well with it. Um, but that's the same for, you know, the seasonal flu or different colds and viruses that people get. I was looking at the Department of Health's website earlier, and they report that currently uh, 48% of Mississippians have gotten at least two doses of the coronavirus vaccine. Uh, 10% have gotten uh, booster doses. Uh, and then still there's 41% of Mississippians who have either not gotten vaccinated or have only gotten one dose out of the two-shot um, sequence. What? How do you think um, having community events like this can help reach that demographic that's not gotten vaccinated or fully vaccinated? I think just having the accessibility in the area, if it's a barrier to getting the vaccine was that they just simply couldn't get there, we come to you, that helps. Um, and I think as time goes on, when people see that more and more, you know, people are getting the vaccines and they're not having the horrible side effects from it, that hopefully we'll continue to see more people go towards the vaccines. And what are your thoughts looking at the vaccine as it stands now? You know, it's been over in a year and a few months now that we've had the vaccine, uh, living with it in, in Mississippi. What would your message mm -hmm. be to somebody who still might be on the fence if they want to get vaccinated or not? So it largely depends on on the patient. Um, we are getting the recommendations now from the FDA to go ahead and give it to children. Um, I know a lot of parents are on the fence about it, um, and that's understandable. But as you are uh, more immunosuppressed or elderly or frail, if you're already in that population of patients who just you're already immunosuppressed for some reason, 
um, you really should consider getting it because it will decrease your chances of going in the hospital. It'll decrease your chances of uh, ventilator, being on the ventilator and also death. It decreases their death rates. Um, and we can we can confidently say that, that it really has a, it helped overall decrease the rates. Now, um, the vaccines, of course, are largely important, but also vaccinated or not, um, seeking medical care and getting the COVID treatments that we have once you find out that you're positive, um, we're encouraging that. A lot of patients are not are getting the home test, which is fine, but they're not seeking the treatment. Um, you know, and and right now it is not as severe as other strains, and I can, can understand it. But if you're that patient and you're high risk and you have COVID, you really should consider getting the oral treatments. The Paxlovid is the one that we're getting more and more comfortable with um, as a community. And then if you're not a candidate for the oral Paxlovid, we have the IV monoclonal antibody infusions. Those are very, we, our, our demand greatly exceeds our supply for those. So we're asking, you know, providers to consider and patients to ask their providers if they're a candidate for the oral Paxlovid. Speaking of Paxlovid, I'm, Department of Health this uh, just at the end of last week uh, signed an order that makes it to where Mississippians can start to get Paxlovid from their local pharmacies. Uh, what are your thoughts mm-hmm. on having that really crucial treatment for people that have already contracted COVID and taking that out of just the clinical setting and being able to get it to a broader spectrum of people in Mississippi? So when that came out, I was super excited about it. I really think that's a good thing as long as the patient has a list of what they're on because there are some interactions. Uh, it's, this is not a drug for everybody. So as long as they are, and, and the pharmacist will ask, you know, for a list of their medications and they can go through it and see. Um, it is It works best, just like we've been saying from the beginning with the monoclonal antibodies. The minute that you find out you're positive, that's when you should start taking it. Go get treatment, take it, because it, the longer you wait, um, you know, the worse you can get. So getting treatment faster, right? You know, once you find out you're positive, go to the pharmacy and get it. If that's your only option, I really, I think that's a good thing. I'm glad that we did that. Christian Spears, clinical director at Gulfport Memorial Hospital. Coming up, Mississippi's lone abortion clinic is closed. What's next for one woman who spent years protesting outside the facility? This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. A Mississippi city has begun offering mental health resources to municipal employees. Anessa Martin is the benefits coordinator for the city of Vicksburg. She says when she started her job about a year ago, it became a priority for her to establish an employee assistance program. I've experienced working with the EAP before, and it is very, very, very helpful and it's very beneficial because we we have a lot of first responders with the, the fire department and the police department, but not just, not only those, we have employees, you know, who have suffered, you know, with loss and grief and who suffer from PTSD and, you know, with COVID. 
Martin says city employees can now access two counseling sessions at no charge. Additional sessions are available on a case-by-case basis. The Pink House, Mississippi's last abortion clinic, is closed. Its workers and clients are headed to far-off states more friendly to abortion rights. And the people who spent years protesting at the clinic's gate are set to begin a new chapter. We spoke with those activists, a woman named Monica Cable. Cable is part of the group Sidewalk Advocates for Life Mississippi and a board member with Pro-Life Mississippi. She tells Mississippi Edition producer Rob Lane she's proud to watch abortion access disappear from the state. Although I'm not originally from Mississippi, Mississippi has become home. I see Mississippi as uh, uh, an environment where many who have not seeing Mississippi in a good light in our nation can see Mississippi as so. And so I am an advocate even for that. The positivity that we need to see and we need to hear is something that I advocate for. And and one of the things that I find myself continuing to do is to support women as a woman, uh, a black woman in particular. Uh, I am a voice for the voiceless, but I also am a voice for women because I'm a woman. And so Mississippi being the place where we reside and where our family resides and where we want to see thrive in our nation, our state, in our cities, um, this is something as an advocate for life I have um, volunteered my time to do, and it is to encourage and to empower women to choose life. You're alluding to there the fact that Mississippi has become really the the cradle of the anti-abortion movement in the United States, right? Of course, it's where the Supreme Court case sprung that overturned the Roe v. Wade decision, but it's also just been home for a really long time to some of the most outspoken voices on this issue in the country. Why do you think that is, and why do you think the anti-abortion movement is so strong down here? You know what? I honestly would have never thought that it would have been, but it seemed like why not when Mississippi was actually looked at in so many ways, the last statistic wise, the first or the having the most teenage pregnancy rate, everything that was considered negative regarding Mississippi, uh, we found recently Mississippi now being in another light. And I say that from a positive perspective, not a negative one. And so with this new case in the Supreme Court, uh, it was something that I I had no idea that it was going to go that way. But with those that have decided to be in the fight for the family, and at least that's what I call it, (laughs) uh, I believe that there's just a generation that has been raised up uh, out of Mississippi that really values life. And so you find that being vocal throughout the legislators, government officials, and even on the streets of Mississippi. Are you guided by your faith in the position you take on this issue? Absolutely. I honestly, I have opinions. I believe that anybody's entitled to their opinion. At the end of the day, my voice is a voice based upon my faith and the creator of life, the creator of the universe in whom I put my trust in. I I have to look at uh, things through the, the, the view and the lenses, uh, which is considered a biblical perspective, yes. So to answer that question, absolutely, yes. I want to circle back to something you mentioned, which is that Mississippi has a longstanding reputation of being 
last or near last in the country on a lot of metrics, a lot of health and well-being metrics. And a lot of people say that the loss of abortion access in Mississippi will drive those metrics further into the ground as it becomes harder and harder for women to access the full range of reproductive health care. What's your response to that? And what's the future you envision for reproductive care in the state? I really believe that any time that there seems like that there is uh, what we would consider um, no longer easy access to uh, a, a solution, if you will, uh, and that situations now seem like they're going to get worse. Uh, because I look through a lens of positivity, I always want to not ignoring, let me make a disclaimer, not ignoring what's before me, not ignoring what's before us as a state and the statistics. We certainly want to take those, but I believe that it's, 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 we're living in a time more than ever where we can rise above what is being considered the problem or what's being considered something that's going to get worse, and we can actually see it be better by not just saying it but actually joining in and being a part of the solution and not just adding on to the problem. And, and I say that because I believe that abortion services as well as access to abortion is not just what some would consider a problem solver. I call it a mirage problem solver because it really appears to be a solution just based upon what we won't be able to see anymore uh, or what we would, what we can only see. But, but when we look beyond in, into the lives of women, I believe that there can be a solution that is life-giving, that's life-affirming, and that does not have to um, end in a life. We know that a lot of women in Mississippi are poor. We know that a lot of women in Mississippi struggle to access health care, to find work. Surely that has to be the other shoe that must drop in this movement, right? It can't just be get rid of abortion. It, there has to be this second wave in the state of people, of advocates stepping up to make life easier, more supportive for these women what does that look like? Absolutely, and I'm so glad you asked that question. And that's really kind of where we are. It's an opportunity for advocates like myself, as well as those that are in the pro-life movement and even beyond, to really come to the, to the place of where we get to be a part of the solution and not the problem. Uh, and again, that's me speaking through how I see abortion. And so when you say that, Certainly resources, like like it has not been before when it comes to Mississippi leading, just like Mississippi took the lead to introduce, you know, uh, the case to the Supreme Court, such historical, um, something that's going to, you know, be with us on the timeline of the lives and the generations after us, right? The same way that Mississippi took that lead, Mississippi has to come forward. There has to be more individuals that are, are willing to be there for sons, for daughters, for the, uh, you know, the, the children that are being born. And, 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 and you already have mentioned it to some women that are in, in a, uh, poor in poverty, you know, in those even some that are already working but cannot afford another child. And so they need the assistance. They need access to assistance to be able to assist them on the journey of living and, a and, better and life. And what, what does that look like? How does that happen? So how does that happen? 
individually, it had it, it. I believe that it, it's a it's a communal thing, you know, community wide. I think that it's a city wide. I think that it's a statewide effort. But individually, it takes individuals making a decision. If we're going to do this, we need to make a decision to come into agreement with uh, those who are already a part of providing resources. I'm, I'm sure you probably heard of the crisis pregnancy centers that are already uh, on the move to help women. Many like to say now that they're not helping women. I personally have seen them help women, whether it comes to someone not being able to afford their rent or to uh, provide groceries or clothes or whatever it is. There are budgets that have been placed in movements and organizations. We just need more of that. So it's, it's not something that one you know organization can provide. We need more people to come forward, whether it's those that are continuing to be funded by others who have the funds and the resources to help bring about this communal um, reach to women in this in this time? It, it's not something that can't be done. It's just something that we've got to do. You know, we've got to step up and actually make a decision to do. And, and, and there is and, funds in Mississippi. And how do you plan to be a part of that? Uh, I already mentioned about the the crisis pregnancy centers. Certainly, um, engaging with them and how I could help um, be a part of that. Of course, that that looks like volunteering, but also bringing any solutions outside of what they already have. Uh, also, connecting safe safe centers like those that already exist with those who are not even a part of the pro life movement. Even some of uh, as a woman of faith. Uh, there are many churches in the state of Mississippi, in the city of Jackson, and the surrounding areas that have never got involved to be able to assist and to help women outside of their own, say, ministry or outside of their own flock, if you will. Uh, and so this is the time to not just be about you and yours, but to actually be about us and ours as a people coming together as one family, uh, because we all we are all valuable. We all matter. And if we believe that, then we should be able to not just give a hand out to somebody, but give a hand up, bring people up from a place where, when they are in need. That's Monica Cable of Sidewalk Advocates for Life Mississippi and Pro-Life Mississippi. This has been, again, Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Stick around for a full morning of Mississippi Radio. Coming up at 9, it's Money Talks. Then at 10, it's in legal terms. And at 11, don't miss Southern Remedy. Find past installments of this and other Think Radio shows online at mpbonline.org. I'm Desiree Frazier. Join us tomorrow morning at 830 for the next Mississippi edition only on MPB Think Radio. Have a good day.